Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik and I'm joined as ever by Mr. Noel Clark. Patrick Noel, how is it going? It's going pretty well. How are you today? I am doing well. I'm looking at a very busy weekend ahead. Yeah. Uh, I will be, uh, everybody else will be watching TV because there's a bunch of premieres on Sunday, or at least in my, I'm recalling there being a bunch of premieres. Um, but I will be in Madison cheering on the, the crazy, wonderful people who are doing the, uh, the Madison Iron Man next week. And I'm excited for it because it's spectating. I don't know if you know this, no, but spectating for the Iron Man is basically as hard as the Iron oh, Man itself. I would say it's actually harder. Clearly, because they have something to do. I'm right, like, you're just standing there. I'm like sitting there for hours waiting for a bike to come by for like yeah. 10 seconds of cheering. So that's, that's exhausting. Yeah, you should have I mean, seen the sunburn last year. You don't know when that bike's going to show up. So you're in a constant state of almost cheering and then having to like contain and all then that having to contain when... it and then like right. yeah you can That's only cowbell so long i mean exactly because like I, I learned the lesson of you can only clap so long and cheer so loud because i've gone hoarse and had very sore hands so i've progressed to the cowbell which is you know the pro move but uh but yeah so clearly that's uh i, I basically what i'm saying is those of us who are spectating should get medals too that's oh god you're you're going to burn so many calories. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so that's the big thing I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, this this uh, this weekend. Do you have anything big coming up besides, you know, surviving Premiere Week in a couple weeks? No, I'm basically just stocking up on supplies for Premiere Week. I'm, like, getting extra batteries for the remote, um, getting new stuffing for couch cushions. It's important. Uh, you know, essential things necessary Very. for the fall season to kick in. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, and speaking of the fall season, we had our fall premiere last week, of uh, our preview, I should say, our fall premiere preview last week. We heard from a few people on, on Twitter and on Facebook and such who reached uh-huh. out with the shows they were excited about or, you know... Not so much. Not excited about, <laughs> as we found out from most people who were just like, meh, I is the correct response. <laughs> I enjoyed the, 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 got a few tweets from people being like, I listened to that whole like 90 minute segment and there was nothing that sounded fun. <laughs> it's just like, mm, hopefully you at least enjoyed your 90 minutes of, think right. of it as like investing time in not having to watch pilots, right? Exactly. I, we did all that. I, I me we, especially did you. all that did all that work for you. <laughs> yeah. I mostly watched good pilots. They 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 yeah. really did turn out. And I still maintain. I granted I have not seen the CBS pilots. I have not seen the CW pilots. But I I maintain that the average quality of the pilots this year is like forgettable. Like like that's that's the the bad ones are just like mm, this isn't very good. But we don't have anything offensive. We don't no. have any like I a couple years back I did a Mad Libs a procedural pilot Mad Libs because there were literally, I want to say at least four, maybe five procedural pilots from like fall premiere week that all had the exact same like premise set up and, and very tropey characters. So I know that you're harder on, like you think I'm being too optimistic about this, this, these fall premieres, but I really do think that it, you know, that they're just kind of forgettable to, to good. And speaking of good, 
I uh, got my my press access figured out uh, for Fox. Thank you very much, the lovely people at the Fox Press site, which is way better than a lot of the other ones. I think we yeah. can agree. There's, I don't know. Yeah, how. no. I I, do, I mean, do we want to start ranking press sites? Because we can. Cause yeah. Some of them are terrible. <laughs> some of them are really bad. But the, the lovely people at the Fox Press uh, screeners that were very very helpful with my tech issues with it um so i got a chance to watch lethal weapon and pitch and i did enjoy them very much um i liked lethal weapon even more than you than you did i watched it twice i watched it and then then i i watched it again and and uh let my dad watch it with me and uh we were both on board we're both super game for that one so yeah i I liked it even more than you did i was happy to watch it a second time i liked it probably even more the second time so that that Mm -hmm. says something and pitch i thought was really solid too i mean again i probably liked it a little less than you did but i still think it's really very solid and like I mean, you're, there are times you're, when you're watching something and, and just like a moment will just hit you. Um, mm-hmm. Like I remember watching, in, in, Pitch obviously is about the first female pitcher in the MLB is is like the premise of it. Um, and so watching different elements of that as they're trying to convey the significance of that to people, um, to the general populace within the world of the show, but in general, which is moments that were really hitting me. And like, like when um, the most recent Star Wars, uh, you know, episode seven, Force Awakens came out, and the first thing is General uh, Organa, like scrolls up on the screen. And I'm like, that's they're talking about Leia. She's not a princess. She's a general. And I did not realize I cared so much about this, but clearly I really, 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 really do. So like sometimes just little moments like that hit you, and, and I was the pitch pilot was full of full of that for me. So I'm yeah. really, really excited for it. Um, basically, I'm just saying that you're right. So that's fun. Which yeah. I always like to hear. Like yeah. I, I, in most situations, I very much like to hear. You were right, Noel. And <laughs> there are situations where I don't like to hear that. But when it comes to TV, I'm always happy to hear I was right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we'll see. I, I, when we get to premiere week, I, they'll be able to catch up with the other ones that I haven't. We haven't yeah. really talked about yet. But um, that's the, probably the last check-in I'll give before these shows actually premiere. But um, another show that I think you, you and I were both glad. To be right about was Winona Earp. We caught up with the first season of that this week for a season spotlight. Um, joining us in the, for the conversation is Dr. Elizabeth Bridges, who people will know from, you know, particularly, she's particularly active in the Clex of Hannah, but this week, of course, she had a, a fabulous post up about, um, like, just her her fandom of Star Trek and how that was so meaningful to her. Um, that was, like, her first... Um, fandom love because uh, of course this week is the 50th anniversary of star trek kind of a big deal no it's a very big deal yeah it was wonderful to talk with uh talk with elizabeth so that's coming at the end of the podcast um yeah, do you have a favorite star trek we haven't really done a lot of star Trek. no talk. no and i've never really talked about it but i'm next generation all the way oh yeah um yeah oh yeah i i that was like the one i grew up on like i have like distinct memories of trying to figure out when it was on my cbs affiliate mm-hmm. and struggling to figure it out and then figuring it out and then i figured it out like two weeks before the finale and i was devastated <laughs> i was just like wait no how wait what it's done no, this is not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was basically the one I grew up with. Um, I watched Voyager for a long time as well, um, and I really liked Voyager. But Next Generation's like my jam. I love Next Generation. Fair enough. Uh, I, I will say that for me, I think, I think the I'm Lacutus of Borg, like fire mm-hmm. cliffhanger, is the earliest like cliffhanger I remember watching. Where I remember being like. Right. What? No, no, come back! And it's what? such a good cliffhanger thing. It's, is the thing? It's, it's so, so great. Yeah. So good. 
that whole episode, that two-parter, and then with, like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, this is really good. Um, so, yeah, I have a very strong place in my heart for TNG, as people will remember if they've listened to the, the TNG DVD shelf we did back a ways ago. But, of course, I think I have to give it to DS9. DS9 and TNG mm-hmm. are, like, fighting it out, and then I'm not certain. Uh, Enterprise and, is last. That's all no, I know. No, no, no. I, t- I know deep in your heart, Enterprise is, like, third. No. And you just... You're, 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 you carry that around with you and you're not, sh- you can't tell anyone, but this is a safe space. You can, you can, you can express your love for Captain Archer here. It's that, okay. No, no. I think it's probably Voyager and then original series, but you know, it just really depends on the episode. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But, I, but I think people, if they, if they have um, thoughts on Star Trek, I, w- I would love to hear people reach out with their favorite episodes, their favorite characters. Of course, you know, we did the the Star Trek symposium earlier this year, and we had our Star Trek fantasy draft, which was so much fun. You guys can find that in the the feed or over at the website if if you want to check that out. That was super duper fun, and it's been it's been a lot of fun just seeing the different posts around, you know, in celebration of of Star Trek this week. It's been you know. It's 50 years. That's that's a pretty big deal. There's only a handful of shows that can claim that. So you got like Doctor Who and you've got Star Trek right. and everything else is maybe soaps or like And news? even those are news? just Yeah, I mean 60 minutes has been hasn't been around for 50 years, but it's been around for a while. <laughs> yeah, there's like uh, Meet the Press I think has been around for I think that long. Um yeah. if not even longer. I think the only thing that comes close would be the Today show. Yeah. But uh so. Anyways, we have strong feelings here at the Televerse about Star Trek, so reach out and let us know what yours are, because I know you have them too. But uh, we also have some strong feelings about this week's TV, so we're going to take a break now and come back with our week in comedy and reality. We'll be right back after this. Comedy and reality. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the premieres that that came this week. So of course we have Atlanta, The Big Bang, Better Things, Sam or Pilot, uh, and then One Mississippi dropped on Amazon. We're going to talk about the first episode of that, which people actually might have seen last year when it debuted for the pilot season, but uh, we, we've only had a chance to, to catch up with that first episode. So we'll talk about that a little bit uh, before I talk about the Difficult People finale, High Alert, a little bit about You're the Worst, Fix Me Dummy, and then Noel joins me again to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, Herstory of the World, which was a lot of fun. But first up, we have Atlanta, The Big Bang. This one was less fun for for, for me, at least. At least... A little bit, but I, I um, it starts out rather seriously before it gets yes. to the more comedic elements a little later on. But I, I thought it was a solid first episode, even if maybe uh, I it didn't grab me as as much as like the I'm seeing all of this praise out there for this for these. But I think I think it's something that will grow on me as I watch the next handful of episodes. What did you think of it of the Atlanta premiere? Uh I thought it was fine. Um, 
this wasn't when I'd been like particularly looking forward to in any real capacity. Um, I, I was very much aware of ex existence, but I just was like, nah, I'll, we'll see when it happens and comes out and everything. and I'll figure something out. Um, but I think it was fine. Um, performances are very solid already. I think across the board, um, and particularly the fellow who plays Paperboy's um, assistant slash partner. Darius. Do not, Darius, right. No, that guy's amazing. Um, Can I measure your tree? <laughs> yeah. That just that basically means no. I, I, lo I love that response. Is this milk good for drinking? No. It's just like... <laughs> it's, it's, it's good it's for baking, you know. Right. It, but it's really well executed, dry delivery of that kind of stuff that could be like overplayed, and the actor who's doing it isn't overplaying it. Mm -hmm. um, so he's by far and away like the standout. Um, the the nitpicker in me kind of went. That is not a Martabus. <laughs> <laughs> that he that Donald Glover's character is on getting approached to eat a sandwich, um, mainly because Martabuses don't have those kind of blue seats. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I just went, that's that's not a martyr bus. I don't think you guys got permission to shoot in a martyr, martyr bus, which is fine. But I just went, that wasn't a martyr bus. At least any that I'd been on. I've been on a lot, but that wasn't a martyr bus. Um, um, I'm just going to introduce, is that the bus transit system in Atlanta? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, right. No, martyr stands for the Metropolitan Rapid Transit Authority. Mm -hmm. Um and that's the uh, public transit um, service that runs out of Atlanta. That runs okay. a bus bus system and a rail system. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. They <laughs> don't mention it by name, which is a fair point to make. They mention five points, which is like the middle of downtown mm -hmm. in the second episode that was with this week. But mm -hmm. that's like the Marta Station hub. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, I don't quite get all the praise for it exactly i just wasn't as tuned in i guess into it as everyone else was or maybe people just like donald glover a lot more than i do which mm -hmm. may be a thing i think he's good but i've never like latched onto him in the same way a lot of other people have yeah i think uh for me this it was interesting i didn't really know what to expect um mm -hmm. but i i think you know i'm intrigued and people keep telling me it's amazing so uh they've seen more than i have so Gonna just trust them on that and and see what happens next. If I wasn't as tuned in to the conversation, I would probably watch this one and go, okay. And if I had forgotten to set a DVR, like season pass, I would probably forget about it by next week. Um, sure. But uh, hopefully it'll grow grow on grow on me as it goes, and I can see more of what other people are seeing. But like you said, I think solid performances. I think I, I like the the just kind of laid back visual style and stuff. I like mm -hmm. some of the different shots that we get, the overhead. Um, in the in the beginning is very striking, of course, and yeah. um, I, I also enjoy. I like their use of music, and there's just some certain scenes and sequences, especially um, for me in the pilot, were really very striking. So, like I said, I already used striking, but very very potent. The the uh, <laughs> jackass at the radio station who's thrown around the n word mm -hmm. only with urn um, is uh, a very distinct choice and that like that worked really well for me and i thought glover's yeah. performance and react I mean, and that that actor's performance as well in delivering but um the the way that Ern re reacts to that and has that inform his uh, next few interactions um about the radio station but then later with that same character i thought that was really neat um and the kind of thing that you're not seeing on any other show so i certainly appreciated that um and we'll see what comes what comes next but uh yeah solid 
I, I yeah, hope to I... get the hype soon. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, that's okay. That's okay. Not everything has to be for everybody. Um, but one that I, I certainly have really enjoyed uh, this week was Better Things, which I think was a little easier for me to connect to because it's about a mom and her daughters. So, I mean, there's going to immediately be more of an in for me with that one. But this is Pamela Adlin's new show. Her her The pilot is Sam, or pilot. And I thought I thought it was fun. I liked, I really liked little sequences like the, um, the audition. Oh, the Zimmer. audition was by far and away the best thing i thought uh, was I, I, I i died you're here of course you're here yeah and i just have to assume that that scene is derived from them going to the same auditions over and over again oh yeah certainly and then yeah. losing those jobs to julie bowen <laughs> damn you julie bowen <laughs> yeah it was fun even just like the uh the i don't know i, I really enjoyed the different interactions with Sam and her her daughters just the the feeling of if, if I sit down now I'm I'm just gonna fall asleep and I can't fall asleep I got too much to do but what are you gonna do say no to that adorable little face you're not gonna say no to that adorable little face I would say no to that door she didn't brush her teeth that breath is gonna be terrible you say <laughs> no to that adorable little face unless she's brushed her teeth well how did how did the rest of this pilot work for you uh I thought it was good as well um I think I liked it about on the same level as I liked Atlanta. Um, but uh, I generally just found it pretty funny. Um, I've known her more so from her voice work, mm-hmm. um, which I was glad to see included in this because um, she's done just so much voice work, so much voice work. And she's really, really good and very talented at it. And that's where I know her from more so than anything live action. I, I didn't watch Louie enough to have any sense of how she operated on that. Uh, so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the perspective that she's bringing to this, um, bringing to the show. Um, I, especially, I mean, the standout comedic scene, I think, is the audition. But I love the last scene with mm-hmm. her going, connecting that to the kids in the carpool, just kind of like st- the guys staring her down, basically. Mm-hmm. And her going like, I don't want to do this. It's getting kind of weird. And the guy going, oh, you mean the funny scene? And it's just like. <laughs> Oh. Damn it, you're, you're right. <laughs> yeah. It's a funny scene. But yeah. But I really appreciated like the, the acknowledgement and the the very subtle connection that was being drawn between all of that. And I really, really liked that. And I liked the, the representation of that particular struggle. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really good way to really end the episode and say, really sum up basically how this show is going to work. And I really like that when pilots are that well put together that they've told us exactly what to expect and how to watch the show. I also just like structurally the way that like in the scene, like the, uh, uh, the audition scene, the conversation with the Constance Zimmer, I, I assume it's actually Constance Zimmer playing herself, but um, not, not playing a different character. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that. That was the takeaway I took. Um, well, cause of course, Bradley Whitford is playing somebody who isn't Bradley Whitford, um, which was weird, but <laughs> whatever I, I that tells me that he'll likely be back at some yeah. point but um but anyways the um so having having the just the cutaways to the interactions with the daughter and and i, I like the way that was edited together i like that choice with the storytelling i think that that should be a lot of fun so hopefully that's a, something they'll continue with as as the show moves forward but yeah i thought it was solid and, and uh, i'm immediately curious to see what's going to happen next i like that it 
feels like there's elements of where you could connect it with Louis because of the, the, you know, single parent with the daughters and everything. Like there's clear connections there if you want to connect it, but it, it does feel distinct enough for me. Um, you said you, you're not familiar with her work on Louis, but she's been terrific. She's so good on Louis. So, um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing more, more from this one. So, uh, we'll check in, I guess with it probably next week, certainly as yeah. we, you know, if nothing else, we'll check in in a couple weeks, but yeah, yeah, certainly had a lot of fun with this one. I don't know if fun's the right word for <laughs> one Mississippi. We watched the, just, we just had time for the first episode today. Um, I, I had time for like three and a three. half episodes. Never mind. So, yeah, I shouldn't um, speak so freely. What no, did you, no. do, does it get less, like depressing but really good in the next couple i think it's pretty funny okay. um it's a very dry light funny mm-hmm. but it's the 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 episodes that precede the premiere um for one mississippi and we should note this is on amazon it's uh tignataro's uh autobiographical riff on a very bad year that she had <laughs> uh to put it lightly in which she had a double mastectomy developed ibs and lost her mom yeah um, and got so- and got dumped and got dumped. Um, but this is a really, this is a, the first episode's very serious in terms of, like, when I, to give listeners, like, some perspective, is I finished the first episode and went, well, Queen Sugar wasn't the only depressing thing I watched <laughs> this week. Um, but it also, it gets progressively funnier. Um, mm. And not in, like, a, I'm laughing to escape the pain sort of funny, but in a, legitimately, it's kind of funny. Um and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, Tignatar is really good. Uh, the John, oh gosh, John Rothman, mm-hmm. um, who's always a delight. Like, this is a character actor that you go, oh, that guy. Because I can't point to any one role he's ever been in and say, you'll recognize him from this. But he's really fantastic as her stepdad. And it's really sharp, really good look at, like, lost trauma, grieving, and how you deal with that sort of stuff. And I think it's I think it's very funny. Um but I would encourage you to keep watching. I think it gets funnier as it watches. Yeah, and I mean, I was planning to watch more regardless, but right. when we were talking yeah. about the show, I was like, so that should go in dramas, right? <laughs> so and I, I was like, no, it should no, be in comedy. <laughs> no, um, but I, uh, yeah, because after the first episode, just very heavy, but but very well done, yeah. very pointed yeah. and poignant, and, I, and like, yeah, it, it it I think again, I think it was really good. Like you'd mentioned John Rothman, just the the delivery with that character which is just so great. It's just yeah. so just aridly dry. It's incredibly yep. dry and that that you know, I I've I've known a couple people in my life that dry and you were just like, Are you I can't I can't tell. I just can't tell if you're kidding or you're serious or like I've I don't know. <laughs> just it's off-putting sometimes yeah. um and they really capture that the thing is i don't even think his character is actually actively trying to be funny no he's not which is why it's funny yeah is that he's just it's so deadpan that he's just come back around to this is a serious guy who has ordered his life in this very particular way as you'll see in the mm-hmm. next few episodes that he, but you get to see little bits of him struggling to deal with this death and it's just all the more gut-wrenching when you see like all of it and it's really really good it's he's so good like emmy shortlist for me for next season is like this is rothman's performance right now because it's so good okay well i 
then I, I certainly am looking forward to catching up with yeah. with this one. Um, do you have a list of the different streaming shows that you want to catch up with from this year? Because I I do. I have it like. I still have a list of streaming shows that I need to catch up from with like a year and a half ago, two years ago. It's like BoJack Horseman, mm-hmm. Sense Eight. Um... <gasps> Sense Eight, I love it so much. Right? No, I know. <laughs> I just I don't have time to watch it. Yeah. And... Yep. But no, there's like a ton of streaming. I feel like there's a fair enough, fair amount of streaming stuff that I actively want to seek out and mm-hmm. I have not. Yeah. And like, I haven't even watched like the tick pilot yet. And mm-hmm. I like the tick a lot and I yeah. haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you, you have a lot of lists of everything. So I'm <laughs> sure you have a list of the streaming yep. stuff that you need to catch up on. Yep. And, 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 and in the distance, we hear, hear Carl saying, the detectorists. Watch yeah, the detectorists, no. yeah. you know, so yeah. so where is this on the, that list for you? Are you going to catch up with more of this in the next, like, week? Or is this one that you're going to One hopefully... Mississippi? Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. One Mississippi, half hour episodes, it's only six episodes. Oh, well, there you go. So that's like, like a day. I'm, that's I can do that's that a, like tomorrow. That's not even a day. Yeah, no, that's like I'm going to wake up. I'm going to have some cereal. Mm. And I'm just going to watch this for three hours. <laughs> well, the two two hours I really have left or mm-hmm. even that and then go for a walk outside and it'll still be like nine o'clock outside because yeah. I get up at like six or seven yeah <laughs> okay so well, yeah no I'll finish this like immediately and I'm very excited about that yeah no I, I didn't I didn't know that and that's that's very that's very interesting I, yeah. and you could you know, watch it on your phone while you're waiting for your mom to drive by on a Well, bike. first of all, I do not have the data for that. And second of all, uh, no, if you're there, you need to be there. You have to be present. You got to be cheering because you might be the only person there for like six hours or my mom's fashion that like four, five hours on the run. Uh, but mm-hmm. everybody else is working their butt off. So you got to contribute. I have strong feelings about people who show up to spectate at events and only cheer for their one friend. Mm-hmm. And it is that those people are assholes, but uh, that, that we're getting distracted. We need to get c- continue on with our weekend TV because uh, difficult people. I feel like assholes, difficult people. That's like a really smooth transition. That's a really smooth transition. Like yeah. it's almost like we planned that, except we didn't. Except that we didn't. <laughs> um, so difficult people had its finale, high alert, and I've only checked in with this one a couple times through the season, but I, I've really enjoyed the second season of Difficult People. Obviously, it's about. Like, I'm not trying to be a comedian. Um, I know very well that I am not a funny person. I can't imagine what they do. However, you and I both can relate to the uh, life of a freelance recapper. <laughs> so yeah. so that element of the show certainly has an in for me and all the pop culture references and everything else. It's very much in, in a, a Kate kind of sweet spot. So uh, it's not surprising that I continue to enjoy this season. Um, I really like the addition of, and I can't remember the character's name, but but the trans woman who's uh, <laughs> just kind of an asshole who, who works at the restaurant. Um, I, I really enjoy that character. I think she adds a lot of um, just a, a new, a new shake shakes up the dynamic a little bit at the workspace, which I think is good. Um, so I like that a lot. I liked the ridiculous guest turns of like Joel McHale as a fake trainer who's really a cannibal. Uh, that was just beautiful. That makes total sense for him too, though. I'm now pretty sure he's an actual cannibal. You know, ninety eight percent. You know, uh, yeah. Was no. it 83 percent? Eighty three percent convinced um if right. i get my barney I mean, Simpson facts right yeah 
it, at all possible, he's probably at least bathing in the blood of innocence. A little bit. So, I mean, that yeah. complexion, I mean, come on. No, there's no way. There's yeah. no anyway, way. Continue. There's no way. Um, but I, I like the way that they brought those different threads from the <laughs> hilarious John Mulaney performance in, in the pilot, the premiere uh, to Joe McHale, these different things with uh, um, the way they connect that with, like, the Billy, Billy Eichner, like, love life kind of uh thread i like that they they did turn that into a thread by the end of the season i like the stuff they did with julie um and her the the article she writes about uh, about her reaction to 9-11 being to have sex with nine men and to give blowjobs to 11 men in the that course of that week um and then watching her her boyfriend uh or i think they i think they're common law married now um, husband react to that and I really so there's a lot of really fun stuff I like I like how that's the 9-11 reaction that was so fun but um, I, I think they, they handled those different you know more serious elements really well and, and in a way that, that I certainly appreciated um, the show is not the it's much more interested in being funny than it is in being very polished still in its second season um, like there's certainly there's some dead spots here and there and it feels very sitcom-y you know, uh, as much as something that isn't a live action or a um, studio, studio audience. audience, yeah, kind of multicam thing can feel. But um, but I still uh, I'm always glad to have spent time with with the, with the show. So I I really am looking forward to whatever comes next for the show. And um, I think I think Julie Klausner's just doing a terrific job with it, as well as the the whole cast. But I mean, as the creator. So um, that's one that hopefully other people are watching. I don't see anybody talking about it. I didn't see anybody talking about it this week, even though it was the season finale. So I don't know if they're going to catch up with it later or I don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm glad it's out there. Uh, speaking yeah. of glad it's out there, You're the Worst had Samira Wiley this, started this week as Gretchen's therapist. Um, and I thought that, that she was a lot of fun in this role. I'm very glad to see the show kind of taking on therapy and continue this thread of mental health for Gretchen, but also... They're starting to, they're starting some stuff with, um, with Edgar, with that that could easily come up, and I'm sure will. Um, but I, I, I like the steps they take in this episode. I like what they're setting up for, um, Jimmy and Gretchen and some mail that Gretchen gets for Jimmy and uh, what that's going to mean. I'm trying to be super vague here. Uh, but <laughs> You're okay. By the time I get to this, I'll probably have forgotten it. Okay. Well, Gretchen, yeah. <laughs> Gretchen's one job is to open the mail and she's been avoiding it. So after her th- talking with the therapist, she finally gets over her just like avoidance of the mail and opens it and gets most a bunch of stuff she can handle and it's all good. And then she gets a letter that Jimmy's dad has died. So, uh, and he, and he, and how old was the letter? Uh, like, I don't know, it looks like a week, a month, something like that. But, um, uh, yeah, so, so, and just as Jimmy's getting good news, so she doesn't want to spoil his mood. So, uh, that looks like that could, depending on how they handle that, could stretch out for quite a while. And the other thing that I really appreciate about this episode is the way they, they show Lindsay maybe taking certain steps or lessons from Gretchen's therapy, which, um... Of course, she doesn't actually learn the lesson, but I, I like that idea of that kind of pouring it over into Lindsay's story as well. So we'll see what, what continues with it. But I, I certainly enjoyed this episode, uh, Fix Me Dummy, and and the uh, it looks like last season for You're the Worst was really terrific with all the, the way it handled Gretchen's depression. I thought it was phenomenal, but it was not as... I wouldn't say it was as good a season of television. It was like that storyline worked really well and the individual storylines were really funny on their own, but it didn't cohere in the way that ideally 
you know, I would like a show to cohere. So it looks like that will be less of an issue this season. But we're only two episodes in, so that could all fall apart. Who knows? I'm liking it so far. Also, another show, of course, we're liking so far, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, History of the World. And where do we want to start? Do we want to start with Alyssa Edwards killing it and just being perfect for this challenge? Or do we just want to start with how amazing that whole sequence, lip sync sequence was? Because I thought it was terrific. Yes. Um, yeah, let's start with the lip sync um, because it was really very terrific. Um, I was a bit like, I wanted to see more of like, but I always want to see more of like the rehearsal process, mm-hmm. even as I acknowledge the fact that they're rehearsing God knows how long mm-hmm. into the night before they actually have to do it. Um, so I, I acknowledge the fact that, I mean, they're just going to do the bit with the actual choreographers and then just be like, we're done. Yeah. And it's just like, but I want to watch these. I want to watch them yelling at one another at 1am <laughs> well but that's the thing i don't think that footage exists because i think if it did they'd show it i think they have yeah. like they find like the three shots of them struggling at something yeah and they like the 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 queens know to like play it up for the camera so they like yeah do lots of oh, i'm never gonna get it oh no and then yeah. the rest of it is them like just professionally learning their steps because they've all done this before <laughs> Right, and I'd much rather I'd, I'd rather see that honestly. Okay. Um, so I, I I always want more from the audition process, honestly. Uh, not the audition, but the rehearsal process. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because I'd like to to see the journey to the end result, which was really really good this week. Um, mm-hmm. because a the song was really good, the lyrics were great, yeah, and the performances were just fantastic all the way around. I thought. Um, and I was just really impressed by like. The costumes that were selected for them. Um, now, I refused to. Did they? Because obviously they made these costumes. Right. No, they totally knew that this was a thing. They had to have because, right. I mean, come on. So, what I want to know is if they don't know who's necessarily getting eliminated, were there just different verses for three other women throughout history, depending on which queen was going to get eliminated? Because they didn't all come with drag for all those different characters. Right, no. So, so that's a great would, question. Who would Coco have played? Cleopatra? Yeah. yeah, that's a possibility that they just had one set up. So that's that's a good point. I didn't think about that, but that's a really good... I, I noticed them having like the outfits prepared, and I just went, but how did you... Did the yeah. show provide that? That's no, a little too Alyssa specific. Came, Alyssa came with the wig already. <laughs> yeah. Um, how yeah. did that work? Uh, so no, like I noticed that, and, but then I just, I was also watching this while I was working, so mm-hmm. I didn't quite make the ne- the next leaf, which you just did. But that's a really good point. So I'm just assuming that everyone was given a particular female character, um, yeah. female character, female figure, and then they just cut the lyric based on who got eliminated. And they're like, sense. bring it like 70% done because we want to see you working on it. So, yeah. Because I know that's the thing they do on Project Runway. Sure. So, yeah, then that's totally what happened. But I'm not willing to, like, knock off for, like, not having the massive Princess Die train because Mm -hmm. you really can't perform in that. That's ridiculous. But they're right. She should have had way bigger (laughs) Way poofier. Right. Yeah, Yeah. no. The sleeve should have been much puffier. Um, The wig wasn't, like, great but it read diana to me anyway yeah it read um, diana to me too i didn't i didn't get why yeah. people were complaining about that one as much other than just everybody did a really good job you needed little details to nitpick so yeah. i could see in that level now what did you think about uh the elimination what did you think about the lip sync 
Um, I thought the lip sync for your legacy was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the elimination just didn't really register for me in any way. Okay. Even if I did like Ginger's um space age outfit, mm-hmm. um quite a bit i also got the miss piggy in space um <laughs> vibe so i felt really good when the judge said that because i was just is she is she going for pigs in space she's not but but it's there it but it's there um but i also appreciated the point of everyone did silver mm-hmm. and i understand because sci-fi silver i mean this kind of thing just kind of goes with cultural consciousness and everything. So I was really glad when people didn't do silver. So I enjoyed that. But like they said in the judging, like um, Fifi's very cosplay oriented outfit was fantastic and really spoke to where she's shifted as a drag queen a lot. Um, What did you think about it? Oh, I thought that the, uh, the runway I thought was good though. Honestly, for me, it would have been more interesting if the Queens had more of the Queens had, translated that as the future of drag not the future in drag so i i liked alaska's approach which was just weirder a lot more than just like spacey because that's Mm -hmm. not as interesting and that that you know just reminds me of different interpretations of like i think of somebody like kim chi who you're not familiar with because you didn't watch season but she was doing some really out there amazing stuff with like makeup like she did one week she did her face like a picasso painting like Mm -hmm. she had an eye her eye the eye here and then like half her face was like just black and it was like perspective and doing a lot of really out there stuff that you've never seen on the show before so i would like to see more that interpretation of it and it felt like as great as so many of those uh the outfits and the costumes were that they put together it felt more samey to things we've seen in the past so sure um but like even just some, some of the the more dramatic looks from last week i think were more interesting um mm-hmm. regardless of how well executed that some looks were this week however i was had to see ginger go i think uh she's very canny and i've i've enjoyed her on there uh do yourself a favor if you have not checked this out no um i was reading i think it was the, the av club write-up for this one and they linked to her performance ginger's performance of i am what i am uh, mm-hmm. from a, a logo tribute to Harvey Fierstein. And it's her singing it with, um, I want to say, Alaska, Tatiana, um, Alyssa, and Fifi okay. doing some backup, like, like dancing and stuff. Um, and, and she killed it. Like, sounds fantastic. And I want to know where that singing is on the show because I have not heard that quality of singing from pretty much anybody when they're on the show. Yeah. But um but no, so I I I am sad to see Ginger go, but I'm glad Katya's uh staying even if maybe this wasn't the best week for her. Um Yeah. But really just the overall level was great. I really liked seeing Alyssa just kill it and know exactly what the challenge needs and and really live up to the hype of she's uh she's a very strong fan base. Um so I was glad to see even just, you could just tell in their physicality when she's dancing, she was hitting every single beat. Even when she was in the back, she just was, she was never just disappearing into the scenery, which is what you're supposed to do if you're in musical theater and you're in the chorus, but that's not what you're supposed to do for this challenge. And I, right. I also could tell even with like Alaska too, um, she was really, all of her, her hits were really tight. Um, yeah. you could, and, and I, I th- that kind of detail came, really came through for me in the, um, in the lip sync thing. So hopefully we'll see more of that but it but yeah i thought it was just a lot of fun and 
I'm glad that I'm glad that we're not just pretending we're, they're going to stick with whatever critiques the judges give. I like that Alyssa's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you were the worst this week, but you aren't the worst here. So yeah. that's what we're going to do. Do you think that'll stick? No, I think that we've set a, set a precedent and mm-hmm. it's not going to stick. Um, it's very, I, I, especially considering like how narrow the field's already getting as yeah. well, which is another big thing is like, no, you're going to, you're going to start cutting bitches that you're just like, nope, we're getting rid of this now um, type of thing. And I think that that's what's going to happen. So I think that this week, Slippery Slope, they're just going to cut, start cutting people who they see as threats and not worry about the judges' critiques. Yeah. Now, who do you need to get cut next? Because, I mean, I'm torn because Fifi's got to go, but I want her to get called out for being manipulative before that happens. I... I love Fifi's game playing right now. And I like how aware they are of it. It's just like all of them know. Some of them. Not all of them, though. Yeah. But But, I mean, like, this is like the second or third week in the row that someone during a producer interview has gone, Fifi's, like, doing this and no one's stopping her. And I'm just like, you're all all aware of this and you're not doing anything about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, and, or someone's doing something about it, but it's not being aired because the producers don't want it on. Yeah. Um, which is also a possibility. Yeah. Um, so I don't necessarily, I don't know who I need to go yet. Um, okay. I don't have a easy answer for that right now. Mm-hmm. I probably would have said Ginger if only because I'm not familiar enough with Ginger mm-hmm. from everyone else that's basically left at this point. Um, except for Katia, um, but I'm really enjoying what she's doing. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I'm pretty much fine with everyone at the moment. Um, and a lot of people are just kind of fate. Like I kind of forgot Roxy was even in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I don't really have anyone that I need, need to go right now, but I understand where you're coming from with Fifi and wanting that, the comeuppance basically. Mm -hmm. And the... I guess the acknowledgement of the duplicity directly in terms of, I want to salvage my reputation. By the way, that dress is really not great that they gave you, dear. It's not good yeah. at all. It's too, it's too big. Yeah. And just all of that. And it's just like, oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's fun. It's definitely fun to watch. Well, what wins your week in comedy and reality? Uh, I'll give it to One Mississippi this week, um, just because I won't be able to give it to next week because Amazon just drops everything all at once. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely, I think this is the best thing I've watched in this of what we talked about and comedy wise this week, um, Mm -hmm. for sure. Even if you may still think it's a drama after you finish watching it. That's Um, right. Yeah. Um, What about you? What won your week? Um... I'm torn because I did like all these premieres. Uh, One Mississippi did really hit me. But I think just for the sheer fun, I got to give it to Drag Race. It was so Mm -hmm. fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, So this is a super, super duper fun season. And by the way, I have since finished season seven and season three. I don't think I'll be able to watch seasons one and two for a while, but I shall soon see them all. Yes, they (laughs) shall be mine. The Drag Race seasons of television will be in my brain. Um, anyways, and then you'll have to do All Stars and then All Stars the One. Season, and then Drag You, are you going to do Drag You? I don't know that I'm going to do Drag See, because that's a stop point, right? Yeah. You know, like that's a clean, 
And then yeah. I then I'm not like there's you know more that I need to catch up with. Though I I have a feeling I would really enjoy that one, but I've got too much other viewing, so we'll see what uh, what makes the cut. But for now, we will take a break and listen to some music and come back with our week in genre and drama. My daddy made no excuse. I believe my lies are true. Why won't you eat what you're fed? Cause when I touch myself, I think of only you. And when I touch someone else, no one's faithful. I am weak, I'll go straight. In genre and drama, we're going to talk a bit about the premiere of Queen Sugar, First Things First, and Evergreen. Then we'll catch up with Mr. Robot, uh, This Week, Hidden Process, uh, and Halt and Catch Fire, Rules of Honorable Play, and Brain Dead, Six Points on the New Congressional Budget, The False Dichotomy of Austerity versus Expansionary Policies. Who's more obnoxious with their titles, Brain Dead or Mr. Robot? Um, I mean, on the upside, you can pronounce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, brain dead's titles, um, but it's but, two full lines of my notes here. Like, right? No, there. It's very much like the king's one. Just went. We were really simple with our titles for the good wife. Let's be really complicated with brain dead, and there was no reason to be that complicated. <laughs> no. Anyways, we'll wrap things up with Steven Universe. Last one out of Beach City. Uh, but let, let's, uh, we're going to, by the end of the, the segment, we'll be in light, happy land. Let's kick things off with some feels and some emotion because Queen Sugar was so good. The two-part premiere, two-episode premiere this week. Like, I watched the first one, and I had to go, like, take a walk and get some coffee before I could watch the second one. It was super emotional for me. Yeah, well, no, both episodes were, like, super emotional. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, did you have to go take a walk after the second episode? No, no, I, I just, no. I just I didn't did. need to, I was like, I'm like, we need to, I'm going to have a breather here between yeah. the first one and the second one, because okay. I wanted to watch, I wanted to watch the next one right away, but I needed a little space, so, whew, mm-hmm. yeah. No, so, I mean, I was really looking forward to this after I started seeing trailers for it while I was watching Greenleaf, because, mm-hmm. um, I mean... You, you you give me the director of Selma, who, I mean, Ava DuVernay, Ava DuVernay yeah. who's fantastic and wonderful, and I can't wait to see what she does with A Wrinkle in Time. Um, and then you give me this cast, mm-hmm. and you give me a series that's directed, all the episodes are directed by women, mm-hmm. uh, which Owen is making a very big deal of, and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty much in. And I was already in, so, but it was nice to have the confirmation that I was right to already be in. Because just from an aesthetic level, I mean, it's great. Their use of negative space is fantastic, um, which puts a heavy emphasis on face and close-ups. But when they don't do negative space, and I'm thinking very specifically to 
the scene in the second episode where uh, Blue is in the bathroom Mm-hmm. and while they're talking about putting sons up on pedestals and coddling them mm-hmm. and there's just a very quick shot of the son listening to her father get talked to by someone else about raising him mm-hmm. and it's just like this is gut-wrenching but it's a really quick shot mm-hmm. and one that my impulse as someone who would backseat directing i would have been like done the entire shot like that which mm-hmm. would have been a mistake mm-hmm. but um just having that one shot with sync up with that like one line is just this is a really well put together show like so well put together like there's a very clear through line that's happening here and everything's being done very purposefully and i think that's really significant um because otherwise it would be really easy for this to be just kind good melodrama but because of the aesthetics and because of the directorial choices that are being made and because of the really solid acting that's happening from everyone, um, it's just notches above anything else I can think of. And I don't want to, I don't want to keep gushing. So, I, so we'll I'll take over. In, like, right. We'll engage in a more productive gushing session in a minute. <laughs> um, but what did you think about them? Apart from needing an emotional break. Yeah. God, you need one. Yeah. Um, The, that scene that you mentioned, it's just such a smart way to do it because it's just, you're very in the scene with the, the aunts and Blue's father. Um, And then they just cut. Ralph Angel. They say just. Ralph Angel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And, and it just says, by the way, don't forget this kid's listening to everything. Like he's still there. And this is, this is not just what what you're saying, what you're doing doesn't just ever affect you. Um, so it's just such a smart way to do it, to just keep keep the audience recontextualizing and reevaluating as they're watching and thinking about all the different layers that the characters can't necessarily be thinking about because they're so in their experience. Um, it's, it's a really, like you said, it's a really well put together show. It's a very powerful and affecting show and on the whole there's one the one scene that's clunky for me is the exposition about the um the davis and um like the, the about how the the basketball player and his wife had like met in their courtship like that's like on the news or whatever oh, and there was yeah that's clunky as hell but other than that, I would say these two episodes do a really good job of showing and not telling. So we find out that Rutina Wesley's character, her boyfriend, the reason she didn't call him when her dad had a stroke is because he's married and has kids. And they've had a long-term relationship. But that, like, her just kind of looking in on them tells you everything you need to know. And yeah. And they, there are some other examples of that as well that I think just really are smart and, and show respect for the audience. And, 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 it, and there's not a desire or a need to tell you everything right away immediately at first. Yeah. No, but, there's still like, I'm still semi fuzzy on some family connection. Yeah. Honestly, which I'm okay with. Cause it doesn't, it kind of almost doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, they and, respect the audience yeah. to figure it out Yeah, or to, you know, they tell you as much as you need. Yeah. And the other stuff will either you'll figure it out as you watch yeah. or they'll fill in the blanks when you need them to. But for right now, what's important, they don't overwhelm you with information. It would be very yeah. easy to do that. Um, but I, I just the, the first episode is really powerful. But then the second episode, I think the way that they start inter- dealing with the way they introduce the fact that these are a brother and a sister and a half sister. Yes. 
Which the, doesn't come through for ages, and then it just comes ramming in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like there's a whole world of history there um, that they that it, it forms everything that we're seeing, but it doesn't matter right now. Not in a huge way. Again, they, they tell you as much as you need to know when you need to know. You don't need to know that before, you know, in the first episode, so you don't. And then in the second episode... Yeah when they start to deal more with the sibling dynamics, that's when you need to know it. So that's when they yeah. introduce it. Um, and it just, it's very, it's very smart. Um, while also just packing an emotional wallop. I mean, it, it, it really, the, the use of close-ups that you mentioned really brings me to mind of something like the leftovers. Um, it brings me to mind of, um, like the emotion of it reminds me of, of rectify, but yeah. without the, positive uplift that we see in Rectify as well. Uh, Rectify usually has more balance in it. Um, this one is people, characters dealing with a really hard time right now and and, and life that is really complicated. So I, uh, I think it's appropriate, the, tonal, the tone that they're striking right now. But I, I'm, I'm really, really liking it. And the, the casting is wonderful. The, the, the dressing of the characters and hair and makeup and the set design and all of that really tells you it gives you a whole world right away. Um, like you see the cut to the, the blues mother and you know, everything you need to know about her when you see her. And yeah. when you, when you, then you cut back to, uh, Ralph Angel and, and he, him hearing people in the background and reacting tells you everything that he, that you need to know about their dynamic. I mean, it, again, it's just, it's really powerful stuff and really, emotional i challenge anyone to watch that show these first two episodes or even just the first episode and not just fall in love with blue the little kid <laughs> to the point where you don't even care that his name is blue what don't even care um and to not be sucked in i'm so glad to see i was so glad to see rutina wesley pop up i loved her so much on of course on on uh she was fun on, on true blood but on hannibal and um right. she's gonna be uh popping up some other places too this year. So I'm very glad to see her get this, this, this job and, um, and to do such a terrific job with it. So, and I'm, I'm very glad to be introduced to some of the other actors that I was less familiar with. Yeah. The music's um, also terrific. Yes. And that, that's one thing that we should mention is like, this is a, this is a show that borders on feeling like over, not overscored, but over saturated Sound, with soundtracked with over soundtracked. Right. And except for the fact that it doesn't, Mm -hmm. at all because the music just fits really perfectly with whatever they're pairing it with that you go well i don't want this scene without this now which is a very rare thing to happen especially with soundtrack uh with licensed music it's very rare for that to happen mm -hmm. um but this is one of those instances where i very much went yes please do not take this out leave this exactly as it is um and i really really appreciated that and I'm glad you brought up like the sibling dynamics because that scene in the funeral home is gutting. Yeah. Yeah. So gutting like with the credit cards, but then the force of unity that mm -hmm. immediately takes place around. No, no, no. It's this coffin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And just, it's so like the swings of the dynamics that happen between basically within two one scene in two different locations basically is just really potent and like you were saying it just it says so much without actually having to say anything mm -hmm. directly um and it's just it's so much stronger for it and yeah i cannot 
I need all of this right now, basically. <laughs> I want all the episodes now, please, and thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. How would you rate the these first two episodes with the other new TV from this year? So the, the highlights of the year so far, I would say, we'd agree have been, like, Underground, um, yeah. uh, Stranger Things, a couple other ones. What else comes to mind from this year? I'd have to go and look at my, like, big spreadsheet, um, mm-hmm. which I haven't done, admittedly, in way too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, well, I mean, comparing it to Stranger Things seems a drastically unfair. <laughs> well, but, but how it hit you, though, because that's something that right. we both, like, binged and needed yeah. more of immediately. Yeah. Right. Um... For me, like, this is very much, like, on par with the sheer can-I-have-it-now-ness of Underground. Mm-hmm. Um, because Stranger Things just gave me immediate gratification. But if it hadn't given me immediate gratification, I probably would have been okay waiting week-to-week on Stranger Things. Okay. Whereas, as soon as Underground really got going, and this is immediately just going. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, this is on par with where I was by the time Underground ended. So when Queen Sugar ends, I don't know what new series that I can think of would have been like this exciting for me mm-hmm. um, so far. What about you, since you raised the question, I'll turn it back. Are you like, oh, is knows. this like, oh no, you should have seen this I, coming. I like... should have seen this coming. It wasn't that hard to spot. Um, I would say for me, uh, it's like, the, it grabbed me really quickly um i would say on par with um stranger things where when i was watching i was watching now when i was watching with my siblings and it was like we were kind of joking around a little bit like in the cracks of the the scenes you know like yeah transition stuff and then after like 10 minutes we weren't talking anymore because we were completely (laughs) immersed i would say it was a similar thing for me with this um the very different tone very different feel to, to viewing uh i would say that um, underground grabbed me similarly, um, just in it, the energy of its opening and it's, it's yeah. the point of view it establishes so quickly in that show. I would say it's a step up from Greenleaf, which we ended yeah. up really, no, it's... really liking, but it's, it's, it's starting off at a higher echelon than when, than when Greenleaf started off. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to think like Lady Dynamite was another one from this season that that right. I, I I wound up just loving. But again, that one took a few episodes to really for me to understand it. Um, and yeah. this one, this one is very it's very accessible. It's just incredibly accessible. So it's easier to, I think, to get a sense of it right away. So I, I, I think that people, if they seek it out, will be very engrossed with this one. And, and I, I mean, I do think this is a very good way to wait around for rectify you know if you're a rectify fan the the sound the, the feel of the south is all through this the respect for religion and faith and belief is in there too there's a lot that you can really connect to i think if you yeah. like the type of storytelling that rectify does but would like a, a faster pace i think you'll like queen sugar i i'm just thinking of like this is it's <laughs> a very black show rectify is a very white show <laughs> <laughs> but two very different parts of the south <laughs> di- very different yeah parts of the south but but um the the emotional honesty and raw 
emotion of both i think connected so yeah. um we should we should move on though to our next show which i'm sure we'll have much less to say about um talk about shows hitting you or not uh, mr robot continues the second season um i've been liking these last two episodes a bit more uh i think i still prefer our elliot less episode but um but how have you been feeling about these last couple ones and where where they've moved the characters to what happened last week? Because I've already forgotten. Um, that should uh, probably answer your question. <laughs> this week, um, the, the episode we had this week um, is... No, 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 I remember this week. What happened last, last week? Um, I don't remember. Ah, see? No, no I'm just... Um, like, because I don't... Like, it blurs in my memory, you know? Right, what the no, distinction that's fair. Was. The only thing I remember from last week is that Elliot, for some reason... Elliot and Robot were having issues basically communicating and controlling. Mm-hmm. And... Robot was, like, fitzing out. And that was, like, the big yeah. thing f- that I remember from last week. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, like, the big takeaway that we were supposed to have from last week is that something's going on with Elliot and Mr. Robot. Well, yeah, and that and Angela hacked into the computer and got the intel about the plant yes. that she's... And, and we found out that White Rose is connected to that plant. So there was a lot of, like, building to where we are. Yes. Okay, so, yeah, and we found out, like... Mr. Robot's the second part of phase two for whatever yeah. White Rose's plan is, to which I yeah. kind of went, did we already, is that new information or not? And Shut, I also just, Wait, you mean Mr. Robot's lying to Elliot? No. Sh- no, not Come Mr. On. Robot. That, not, the, not the guy who kept shooting Elliot in the head. No. I'm sure um, this show wouldn't like lie to us about that at all. That the no. show didn't lie to us. Mr. Robot lied to Elliot and Elliot expected us to believe Mr. Robot, which is very silly. But Right. No, I'm sure that wasn't the case. Um so obviously based on us having to talk through what happened last week, I didn't remember anything. Um but this week was fine. There was a lot of like net people getting caught in nets this week mm-hmm. um which was interesting to see some stuff get played off um i wanted to kind of throw myself out of a window during the cold open with um trucks and spangler's office mm-hmm. um a because i don't care but b that little speech of i want to leave a legacy that only rivals god and it's just like no no why why are you being written like you're an anime villain what is this stop um, and it, it was just ridiculously bad. Plus, I'm I'm tired of shows using Eric Satie's um, Jean uh, Lapidine number two. Yes, I'm I'm just tired of it. Like I love I love it. I do. It's, it's gorgeous. I piece. love it. It's gorgeous. I'm tired of people using it. Yeah. Um, and even if I did like the juxtaposition of that, and then a really hard, what sounded like a J Rock um song crashing in with the credits, but. The episode was fine. I appreciated the aesthetic of um, Dom finding uh, finding them at the restaurant. And I was kind of enjoying that and just us sitting there and observing it. And then the crossing walk does a countdown, basically. And I just went, oh, God, really? Yep. You needed the countdown? That wasn't necessary at all. But we're going to do one. Mm. Fine, whatever. Um, but... Yeah, I'm curious to see how things play out um, in terms of, I guess, Tyrell's location at this point. I'm just vaguely curious now to see how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I enjoy the fact that Elliot's just like, where did where did Mr. Robot go? Um, as soon as I got that phone <laughs> call. But then I was just like, there's also just Elliot staring at the word no 
in that store, um, uh, when he looks down the aisle, there's just a word, an N-O word Mm -hmm. that's obscured, but it just says no. Yeah. um, Which is patently obvious, because, I mean, this is a meticulously constructed show. But what it represents and what it means, I'm not entirely sure. But I'm also just not an audience for this show anymore. (laughs) But it's almost done. It's almost done. Okay. Um, how how are you feeling about the past two weeks? Because you caught up, like you hadn't watched last week, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. Recorded. Yeah. I, so I caught up with Wilson this week. Um, th- yeah, I, I'm like I said, I, I continue to just be. I feel like we we get end up repeating ourselves, but I, I tend to be more positive than you are about yeah. the show. But um, and then I make you feel more negative. No. <laughs> uh, but but um, not as like like I like that. I'm just so glad that we're moving forward. That there is a storyline that we are moving. I think the show has just fundamentally misjudged how much we care about certain. At least I viewers who are watching in a similar way to me care about things like Tyrell. I don't care about Tyrell. I don't care that he's missing. I'm I you know I don't care where he is. I'm very confused as to why Elliot didn't immediately go. Huh? Not that house. What is that house? Owned by, like, he could find that instantly, that information instantly, but he doesn't. He just goes, huh, the plot needs me to not know what the house is yet, so I won't look, which is a little frustrating. But um, but the stuff, the progression with Dom, uh, I think I, I, I like that performance, or I like that actor, let's be clear. Um, yeah, it, I think that's what... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I'm vaguely curious about her. I like that they let her have more agency and be more active. I continue to have that same problem with Angela, though I like that we see her and Elliot touch base again. That was overdue. That seems really good, too. This seems really well played between both of them, too. Yeah. Um. So it's just, you know, it, it's solid. It just very much has entered the I'm going to keep watching it. And there might be a thing here or there that. I'm less invested in than the show wants me to be invested in, but I don't have an antagonistic relationship towards it the way that I did at the beginning of the season when they kept trying to get me to care about Mr. Robot and Elliot. Um, And, or or like something like, like how I ended up watching the night of, you know, so I'm much more just like, okay, this is happening now. This scene is good. Not feeling the suspense, but you know, I appreciate what they're doing here. I have a more intellectual relationship with the show, I guess. Sure. Uh, So I agree that the show is like, moving toward something because i mean like i'm i use that metaphor of like closing nuts and that's very much happening here like angela gets confronted by two people after ellie gets off the train uh there's the shootout at the diner with dom and mm-hmm. um darla darlene Dar- darlene thank you i was just like darla's not correct no um with darlene and then and all the stuff that's happening with locating tyrell and um my question then for you is someone who's less antagonistic towards the show, and that's a fair characterization, I think, of how I'm watching the show at this point, is can you tell me what is heading to? Because I have no idea. <laughs> no, no, not really. Um, I hope that it pays off and that it feels earned, which is mm-hmm. my only question mark with that right now, because the... They, they, having characters, you know, who just execute themselves, that, that that's a buy. You need me to buy into that. So there needs to be yeah. something behind it that's worthy of that response, that earns that response from the peons, uh, the minions within this group. Um, that, so they, 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 they and kind of need them to deliver on that. Um, the, it, it, like, I can't imagine what 
you know, White Rose has connected to a power, nuclear power plant in the States. I, that's what I, it's a power plant of some sort, right? Or just some sort of plant, I guess. It doesn't have to be yeah. power plant. That's where it's my something. brain goes. It's something. I, it's hard to imagine why White Rose could care so much about one plant in one spot to make so much of these machinations come together. Uh, and so, I, and again, I just kind of really need them to deliver on that. And if they do, that I think will will make up for a multitude of sins. Um, and make, like, because I don't trust the writers. I don't trust Sam Esmail as much as I do many other shows. So I'm not just willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I, just, I raise a little eyebrow to, to some of that stuff. So I don't know where they're going. I just kind of hope it pays off and doesn't, you know, like that it earns the high level of suspension of disbelief that it has asked from its audience. Okay. No, because, I mean, that, that's, that's been something that's been bothering me for most of this season, but especially after we got out of the exposition episodes, um, or the exposition arc, or whatever we want to call, like, those first four to five episodes. Um, and I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just me, because, again, like, my blinders about the show um, make me just feel like, what, what are we doing? I'm sure I missed something, because I kind of... I watch the show, but I don't necessarily watch it very closely some weeks. It just kind of depends. And I wanted to be sure, like, that I wasn't just being an asshole about the show (laughs) for the sake of being an asshole about the show, because I just didn't understand where we were going exactly. And Mm. I understand, like, a lot of this is about the fallout of their attack in season one, but then we're transitioning to something else maybe and the fallout from the attack of season one hasn't really been dramatized anymore in terms of hey all this bank collapse didn't really do anything for the people that we said it was going to do anything for are bad um just kind of stop being concerned with that and i was just like i don't know quite what we're doing apart from phase two and i don't know what that is and that's just the show being opaque but i also wanted to be sure that i wasn't just missing something yeah no i don't think so i don't think you yeah. are um yeah it just but matter. feel free listeners who actually like the show yeah to tell me that i'm missing all of the subtle clues and that i should pay way more close attention which i maybe should mm-hmm. but you're never going to get me to do it <laughs> <laughs> well we'll see the the nothing would entertain me more than the show somehow finding a way to reel you back in in the next three episodes. Right. No, wouldn't that be amazing? That would be delightful. I I would be thoroughly amused with everything if that happened. Hmm. Well, I I would eat literal... I would find a crow, Kate, and I would cook it. And then I would eat it, and you would watch me eat it. Okay, well, remind me to knock over to to your house for dinner. Fly across the country and go to the house for dinner. Um, But, no one ever wants to visit me. No one's like, you know, crow, <laughs> delicious. Uh, well, uh, how are you feeling about Halt and Catch Fire, Rules of Honorable Play, um, and our continuing, the continuing saga of Joe and the idiot who doesn't know better? <laughs> I mean, Ryan, right? Ryan, right, 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 Ryan, correct. I am um, enjoying, to some extent, him falling prey to the exact same bullshit that other people, like, I've, I've found myself in a couple friendships like that where I just, like, get to the end of, of the friendship and go, what have I been doing for the last year or two years? Why? This has been, like, all this up and down. This has all been a bunch of bullshit. Like, they don't mean to be this controlling and asshole-ish, but they are. And I don't need this. Like, I think they're doing a really good job of dramatizing that. 
They are, but we've also seen this. Already. Well, there's a, I skipped over season one, though, so that maybe right. that's why. That, that helps you quite a bit in that you didn't watch this happen to Gordon in season mm-hmm. one. Um, I already watched this happen to Gordon in season one. I really don't need to see it happen to uh, Idiot Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... It's the Joe stuff is like fine. Um, it's basically being carried by the fact that Lee Pace is just really, really good. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think that that's the big thing that's just keeping this going. Um, but like the scene with him and the military contractor where he's just, oh, we can't shake. You say no, no, we're not, mm-hmm. we're not going to do that. In fact, I'm just going to grab your neck too on mm-hmm. the back. Yeah, we're gonna have a little chat, and I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the intensity that Pace brought to that, um, and I like the fact that it's Joe losing control, which is something that Joe very much does not lose control. Mm-hmm. Um, so watching him lose control in a very controlled way, albeit, um, was really interesting to watch um, Pace get to play. Uh, so I enjoyed that um, a great deal, but I just. I don't need to see this again, <laughs> basically. Um, but at the same time, I am like vaguely interested in figuring out whatever current day technology <laughs> that Joe and Ryan will come up with. <laughs> yeah. Based on their discussions uh, to go, oh, but these guys came up with a type of thing as opposed to what Donna and Cameron are doing, basically inventing Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm enjoying like where they're going to go with that, but... I'm still waiting for like those plots to kind of converge because they're still kind of in two different, almost in two different shows, just on parallel tracks. How yeah. are you feeling about like the Joe stuff before we dive into Cameron and the mutiny and all that? Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm game for it because again, I'm not tired of that same thing the right. same way yeah. um, from season one. Uh, but also, again, like you said, the performances have been really strong, and just when you want to just throw out Joe, he's like, oh, you're gonna say that gay people deserve to all die from AIDS? Well, fuck you. I'm gonna tank my career to call you an asshole. Um, it's like just such a satisfying yeah moment. And yeah. they're like, damn it, it's Joe and he's being right. And I don't <laughs> like how that feels. You know? So I, I think that they, I think the, the writer, it seems like the writers are having fun with some of that, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, uh, but as for the rest of the show, uh, I really like what they give Gordon and, and Cameron and Donna this, this last episode. I like the shifting dynamics between the three of them is, have been really great to see. And that's really where the show has shone for me. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, just the end of it is just Cameron asking when she, asking gordon when he was losing control of cardoff i just went yeah it's so good like i mean i'm really like season two was just so such a massive like retool of we're gonna recenter this show on gordon not gordon but on uh, cameron and donna essentially and then to watch their relationship fray here um or start to fray as their values don't necessarily end up like totally lining up uh it's just really interesting really compelling um and it takes on just different dynamics because of where they were last season and where they are now but also the fact that they have like this kind of weird family unit that's sort of working but not totally working Mm -hmm. and just i i'm so eager to watch the rest of this just kind of spiral basically and how 
Cameron's going to try to fight to keep this last little bit of the only thing she's ever owned, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, which will get explored much more next week when she actually goes home. Um, to see how that's going to play out. But I'm really, really excited about that. And like Donna lying to her, I just went, oh, no, no. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, how are you feeling about that aspect of the show? Um, I mean, I enjoyed Gor- Gordon going to play laser tag with the coders. That was great. Laser uh, tag. Okay. Laser tag is super fun. And on TV. I, no, in realsies, as far as I'm concerned, it's been a while since I played. It's been a, like a handful of years, but I, w- I would go with my friends in college to play laser tag and there would be like nobody else there. We would go on the night when it was all you can play for 20 bucks and just stay there for a couple hours. And every now and again, there'd be like some eight year olds and 10 year olds. But for the most of all, everybody's like, really? We're like, yes, this is fun, and you're not going to shame us into not enjoying ourselves. So I always appreciate when, you know, there's a little laser tag fun on TV, and not just as a punchline. Uh, Though I can take it being a punchline somewhat. So I like that scene more than uh, I'm guessing other people might have, but I thought it was really fun. And And No, it's very fun. (laughs) Yeah, and the stuff with Bosworth I'm really enjoying as well. Of course, Toby Huss. We love Toby Huss. But but Annabeth Gish Gish is so great. Yeah, when's the last time we loved Annabeth Gish on a show as much as we love her here? Well, she, she... I was about to say she was good in Pretty Little Liars, and she was good in Pretty Little Liars, but she had virtually nothing to do on Pretty Little Liars. Um, she plays their therapist on mm-hmm. uh, Pretty Little Liars for like a handful of episodes and kept popping up. But yeah, no, I don't remember the, the, really remember the last time A, Annabeth Gish had a really meaty role like this off the top of my head, and B, that I'm just like, I want all of the scenes with you and Toby Huss mm-hmm. kind of being flirty flirty with one another because it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on Hall and Catch Fire or should we move on to Brain Dead? Yeah, no, let's move on to um, Bugs and Bugs in Your Brain, Kate. Yeah, and I'm not going to read the title off again because it's too No, long. read the title off again. No, but no. Um, the, I did enjoy the end of this episode and where they just go, yeah, bugs are real, all this stuff is happening. I mean, it was just incredibly transparent that it was a ploy, but I do believe that uh, that the, that the brother here is stupid enough to fall for it and self important enough. Luke is such an enough. idiot. Yes, he is. God, Luke's the worst. <laughs> uh, I've also been enjoying. I just because I don't know any of these characters' names, but I, yeah. I just I, so I I've been enjoying uh, uh, boyfriend finding out Garrett. about the bugs. Gareth. Gareth. Yes. Yeah. I've been enjoying him finding out about the bugs and reacting to it. It's been delightful. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, again, the show turned out to be so much more fun than I was having with it at the beginning of the season. And I'm very, I'm very glad for that. Though I've, I had trouble buying that they weren't able to get the queen. Like, they didn't sell me on that. They had three people. Come on. Yeah, my main response to that entire scene, which was, A, there was some really great physical comedy happening in that scene, um, mm-hmm. just from everyone. And Shalhoub was just, Shalhoub was going for it, like in the yeah. chokehold. Um, but my immediate response to them rolling up a magazine was like, what the fuck are you doing with a ma- Take off a shoe. Yeah. And just, I, that's what you do. <laughs> Don't wear heels to assassinate the queen. <laughs> wear stompers. <laughs> maybe that's just me um yeah no there and was no planning with that there was um, no plan like the first thing you do is you knock out tony shalhoub that's the first thing you do so right. then he can't help in his own you know protection but anyway do you have any other thoughts on, on this are you still having fun with it 
I am still having fun with it. Um, like I enjoyed like like the stuff with the monkey brain and just how wonderfully weird that was, and especially just the sheer weirdness of what Shalub was doing and what Mary Elizabeth Winston was doing. They were both just operating like in very different mm-hmm. scenes almost, and it worked really really well. Like the conflict of approaches for where their characters were but also their understanding of where their characters were made that seem just very bizarre but it needed to be really bizarre Mm -hmm. um but at the same time like i really enjoyed like a very small quiet scene where garrett gareth calls her to come and stay with him because he's worried about the bugs and he can't he can't stop thinking about it yeah and there's no one else he can call and he calls her and he's just like we can have sex if you want she's like no (laughs) It's okay. Uh, it's like, okay. I, I've been where you've been. I'm, it's okay. No, I've been living with this for like a couple of months at this point. Yeah. Um. So I really enjoyed that scene a lot. Um. Mm-hmm. Plus, like coupling it with him calling his parents, which was like the first exposure we've gotten with that. Uh. Just I really enjoyed what they did with Gareth, or um, as I just keep calling him, Aaron Tevitt's hair. Mm-hmm. God, that man's hair is incredible. <laughs> Hair. Um, but no, that scene was just really, really great. And probably like my big standout scene from that was that wasn't physically comedic, which a lot of it this this week was. Uh, but two part finale this Sunday, so mm-hmm. you'll have a very you'll have two very long titles to read off next week. Ugh, I'm very excited yes. about that. Yes. But we should move on to what I'm Steven assuming Universe. will win our week in uh, drama and genre because it was. Last one out of Beach City, um, which best episode of Steven Universe? Or? Oh, well, not even close, but um, but it was a lot of fun. It was definitely a lot of fun. And I liked seeing this other side of Pearl, which makes sense for her background and who she is. But we have, like she says, you, you, don't, you don't even know. You don't even know how much you don't know about me, Steven, which is she's been alive for thousands of years of course that's the case but it's just so fun to see and like i'm sure you're the the inner like i can't wait to see the cosplayers was loving the different outfits the popped yes. collar right see it's cool because it's, it's not because it's, it's, it's not supposed to go that go way. yeah um that was pretty fun the the car ride when steven's just like i'm just gonna say so she looked a lot like mom <laughs> Are we gonna? Talk we all saw about that, right? <laughs> and Amethyst totally didn't, which was fun. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I think it was a super fun episode. It had some really great stuff with with Pearl, while still keeping a lighter tone. I like the little hint of the song we get, and that even this little hint of a song has fatalism to it. You know, yeah. but we're gonna rock, but it can't last forever. You like it was great. It was a lot of fun. But even when they're doing like the fatalism of it, like this episode is so laden with just really good detail work mm-hmm. that again is one of those things where you have to remember animation that you have to do you have to do that like you have to pay to do that type mm-hmm. of thing where it's not necessarily like we're gonna do steven and amethyst talking and if you're not paying attention you're not noticing the fact that pearl is struggling with like opening a can of juice and she's just like tapping on it trying to get the little tab to come up and the little look of joy when she gets it to open. It's just like there's that kind of stuff. Or there's Steven's shifty eyes as he looks back and looks at the basically the back of their heads in the car before he says, all right, so I'm just going to say it. <laughs> and it's just like he's waiting for them to do it. <laughs> and 
it's so good but like the song is a really good example because there's that cutaway of the people at the band and there's this big bald-headed character yep. mouthing the words to the song and he's like he's like about it. to cry yeah right and yeah. it's just like the the episodes storyboarded and animated within an inch of its life. There's so much little, little, so many little things happening in the episode that I couldn't get over the little bits of business that were in it that just kept elevating it for me in a, so many ways that I ended up watching it like two or three times last <laughs> night because I really, really enjoyed this. Um, but it's an episode that without like Mr. Greg almost doesn't work. Like you need mr greg to get pearl to To a place this yeah to this place where a like her her response her her just saying greg to greg was just Mm -hmm. like oh it's so good Mm -hmm. and then just her realizing that going back into this going back to like the song and everything is just like I've become a mom and I have a very full life oh look a sky piece and this just all of it was just really really good and um so so much good line delivery of I've been a criminal for 6,000 years (laughs) oh honey (laughs) (laughs) it's so good but Mm -hmm. just watching her melt melt down and just be so disgusted by the word pants Mm -hmm. was just I loved this episode so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it has action. It has yeah. uh, it has emotion. It has humor. It has it's very stylish. I mean, it has all of that. And again, as we keep saying, in eleven minutes. Yeah. I mean, damn. Yeah. Just it's so damn. And now it's just like I can't. I, a I need an episode in which Pearl Amethyst and Stephen make. Pearl call the mysterious girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask I yourself. need that to happen. And yeah. then what I also need is Pearl pushing Greg out of the way if he ever meets the mysterious girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not again! <laughs> yeah. I also um, really loved, and I thought that he handled so well, was Steven's reaction to Pearl going rogue. Yeah. And him being scared. Because this is not his reality. This is not what he knows. This is not... She's supposed to be the voice of reason. And yeah. when she's not, it's exciting. But more than that, it's scary. Yeah. And I like that within the scene, we're so with Pearl in that moment when that's happening. But in the back of the car, Steven's freaking out a little bit. And I mm-hmm. think they, they balance that well. And I think they... It's just it's again it's it's um it's that idea of seeing a parent seeing a guardian as a person and not as a parent and yeah. that that understanding of them as a fully rounded fleshed out individual and not just as this person whose main job is to be your guardian and, right. and I think they you know that's another because it could, they could have had Stephen be like go for it but that wouldn't. That wouldn't be true to who he is. So I think they handled that really no, well, too. No, that's Amethyst's job. Like they say, she she's the ultimate wingman. Yeah. <laughs> um, even if she's not super supportive all the time. Start with a nerd! <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Which yeah. is just the best line. And I like that Steven's just like, Amethyst! <laughs> Come on! Yeah. Um. So, no, I, I really enjoyed everything about this episode. I even enjoyed the fact that 
Pearl saw the sign and immediately made like the split decision to hmm. do the thing behind the sign to let the cop blow by. And yeah. Was, like she's, she, when was the last time she drove a car? Yeah. But she just went, Oh, I know what to do. And yeah. it's, it's, it, it was just, it was just really, really good. I really loved this episode a lot. Yeah. Hey, we know she's a pilot. So, I mean, this is not her first tactical maneuver with a vehicle. Right. So, you know, you know. Uh, yeah, but it was it was a lovely episode. And again, a nice change, another change of pace from, from the previous episode and from the episode before that. They just keep delivering with the summer, Stephen. Um, any final thoughts on Stephen Universe? And if not, what wins your week in TV? In your week in genre and drama, I should say, she asked, knowing the answer. <laughs> no, it's very much the last one out of each uh Last one out of Beach City, um, for all the reasons just enumerated, but also because that title alone made me think that something really horrible was actually going to happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let, let's be honest. Like, I honestly thought something bad was going to happen with that title, and then it was just like, oh, no, guys, we're going to do a teen coming of age m- movie in 11 minutes, and it's going to be fucking awesome. And I just <laughs> went, thank goodness. Uh, so, what about you? What won your week this week? I really enjoyed that episode, but I'm going to give it to Queen Sugar. So we'll split okay. the vote here. And uh, very different sides of the emotional coin, but uh, yeah. but but very strong episodes, definitely, from both of those. So now we'll get, just do a few show notes here at the end of the episode, or the end of our week in TV, I should say. Um, you can find a post-it for this episode at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, like the page, and start up a conversation there. You can also find us in iTunes, where we have an M4A chaptered feed and an mp3 unchaptered feed and we do appreciate ratings and reviews because it helps other people find the show and like realize that we're legit and aren't just uh, a bunch of crazy people though maybe we're that too well yeah we, we're very much crazy people um, let's not live ourselves yeah <laughs> we're more than just that you can also find us on stitcher and uh, you can leave a rating or review there uh we have one from from jody lynn which is wonderful thank you so much jody uh it would be nice if we could get up to five because that's when you start appearing in searches. Before then, basically, you don't exist on Stitcher. But for right now... I will write a fake one, guys. Don't make <laughs> me write a fake one. I will. I will do it. And that's not honest. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you can also reach us both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. And Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And now we will take a break, listen to a clip and some music, and come back with Dr. Elizabeth Bridges from Uncanny Valley, as well as Academia and the Twitter sphere in general, to talk about the first season of Winona Earp. We'll be right back after this. Some kids inherit money. Others get talent. Me? <laughs> I got a demon-killing gun. Crazy runs in the family. Why the Chris that gun? Peacemaker. Which only I can handle. The only thing that can put these demons down again is you. Crazy chick with a gun! Winona's going all Wynonagan. Good times. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And this week on the DVD shelf, um, it's a little tiny preview of Klaxicon here at the Televerse. <laughs> We're very excited. For those listeners who don't know, Noel and I will be uh, going to Klaxicon in Vegas in this coming March, which is a convention um, by and for fans of 
the the ship Klexa from the 100, but more specifically representations of lesbian, uh, transgender, queer, especially female characters on TV, and also going to be in attendance and speaking there is Dr. Elizabeth Bridges, who's joining us today. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, folks. It's going to be so much fun. I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to it, too. Uh, it's This whole thing has kind of blown up in the last several months. Um, I was once a little-known blogger slash mild-mannered professor, and all of a sudden, here I am on podcasts, and <laughs> and and Mo Ryan's quoting me and all this stuff. So it's a little bit it's a little bit new for me. Well, I'm very we're very excited to have you here today, and we're talking about Winona Earp. And the reason I say it's a bit of a Klexcon preview is that there will be a lot of Winona Winona Earp stuff going on at or at least a significant amount of Winona Earp coverage at Klexcon this year. But we're here talking about season one of the show. This is uh, it was on Sci Fi Channel earlier this year. It's been renewed for season two. It'll be coming back next year. But uh, this is what made you want to talk about Winona Earp. Um, it's just a show I like, and it's something that I've been watching lately, and, uh, you know, I, I like to have a show that I, that kind of occupies my, um, imagination and, and, uh, that I can kind of semi-obsess about when I'm not thinking about other things, so, um, that's kind of my current thing right now. Well, I think it's just super fun for me. Like, I, I, it's one that, like, I missed when it came out for whatever reason. I, like, didn't jump on immediately. And so I, you know, with all this stuff with, with Klaxacon happening and seeing that some of the cast was going to be there and there was such a fondness for the show, it was one of those shows that was like, oh, I better make sure I catch up with this one, see what all the buzz is about. And it's right in the middle of a Venn diagram of stuff I enjoy, like, westerns. I really enjoy westerns. And badass ladies being badass and funny and smart and all these other things. And then uh, just, you know, uh, punchlines and quips. Like, right in the middle of all that is Winona Earp. And so I had a lot of fun catching up with this show. Yeah, there have been a lot of positive comparisons to Buffy. Um, Seeing as Buffy went for seven seasons and was so expansive, it's hard for me to make that call yet. Uh, But certainly first season to first season, I would have to say that they measure up very well. Yeah, you can see how, like for me, it, it... It's a little rough starting out for me. Uh, there's a lot of potential, even just in the first scene, or you know, like when it, the way it opens, it opens very evocatively in the pilot. Mm-hmm. But there's, mm-hmm. you know, they they have to find their feet a little bit. There's some clunkiness early on, but I think by the end of the first season, the cast is really. Pardon the dog barking, please. That's okay. That may happen here too. <laughs> uh, by the end of the first season, the cast has really come together and gelled, and uh, and even like partway through the first season, I would say they found their voice and they found the dynamics that that really drives it. So I, I ended up actually having a lot of fun with this first season. Noel, had you watched anyone on Earth before sitting down for this uh, to prepare for this season spotlight? I had not, which is something I kind of regretted because this was something I was vaguely aware of when it was airing back in April, but I never made, never carved out time for it. And the other problem was, is that it was airing at the same time, like when my move across the country was happening and I was just like, I don't have time for another show right now. I can't keep up. I don't, I have no energy. Um, so I didn't carve out time for it. So I was really glad when Elizabeth wanted to discuss it because this is something I wanted to watch. And I had a really fun time with this. Um, like you said, Kate, I think it does take a little while to get going in ter- some, particularly some of the acting, like um, dolls, both from an acting and writing standpoint, I think takes a little while to like find, find, find a solid ground. But once they do, 
uh, for dolls and then also for Doc to a lesser extent, the show kicks into a really high gear. And the comparisons to Buffy, I think, are appropriate, though, because, I mean, everyone's very quippy. Uh, there's lots of um, fun type of bonding type stuff between the group. And it's just it's got plenty of other really great demony stuff in it. And your point about the Westerns is really well taken because they shoot a lot of this outside, even in the dead of winter in Canada. And which was such a really important thing, I think for them to do to keep the Western feeling alive, even though I did appreciate the fact that, um, Bobo's gang moves into the bar so they have to shoot fewer scenes outside and <laughs> they got rid of the trailer park um, so that Bobo's could be in and his crew could be in the bar instead at the, in the dead of winter uh, which made sense from a production standpoint I, but I still appreciated like how they managed to work probably work that in because I just imagined that that was a production necessity for them to get through I hadn't really thought about that, but you're probably right about it. And I, I agree with both of you about it took me maybe four episodes to really yeah. get into the show. And I mean, the first episode was already enough to hook me in. And I'm actually working on a series of, of recaps and I've just finished uh, the one about the first episode. But um, yeah, it's, I would say it took me three or four episodes. And I think part of it was a question of tone uh, yeah. because I, I, I couldn't decide if it was if it was just pure silliness or there was some self-conscious campiness going on there. And, and I mean, ultimately, I think there was. But um, but it just it, I think it took a few episodes for that to gel for me. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. And I think that was one of the things I was kind of struggling with also in the early going was how much of a tragic figure we were supposed to see Winona. And then the show just went, kind of, but not really. And I think that was a good, like, kind of course correction of this is a woman who has survived a great deal of things and she's coming into her own, basically. And instead of, like, getting bogged down too much in past traumas, she's moving forward in very aggressive ways. And I think that that's really where a lot of this fun comes from. Plus, it's it would be really hard to take Winona seriously if she were, like, really too serious. But then she freaks out over a motorcycle in the best possible way. <laughs> that was a great oh, scene. I love that. I, I mean, I can't even remember what episode that is, but when that happened, I just went... This is the best thing that I've watched in I can't think how long. Because she's so excited about that motorcycle. And Melanie Scarfano, who plays Winona, is just so keyed into how excited Winona would be about that motorcycle that I could not get over it. It was so great. I think that bike scene was somewhere kind of towards the middle of the season. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that it was around that time for me also that I started really getting into the show and starting to really enjoy it. And I think it started pacing itself a lot more consistently. Yeah. I think that scene is very indicative of something that the, the season does several times where it sets up expectations and then, or, and it could go down one path and maybe that's where you sort of expect the show to go, but then it immediately left turns and just goes for the more fun option instead. So you, it, you feel like maybe they've set up Winona to be this tragic figure or this, this really serious figure. And then they show her a motorcycle and she goes, Ooh, shiny. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think a very key, you know, example of that is just the very end of the season. And listeners, if what we've said so far seems interesting, check out Winona Earp and come back. But we're going to spoil things now. <laughs> You've been warned. Right, and good luck. Good luck finding it because Sci-Fi apparently doesn't want anyone to watch this. Yeah, what up? <laughs> what's up with that? 
Oh, that's that's very frustrating because you know they just I believe it was at Comic Con where they announced the second season got greenlighted yeah. and uh, so I was trying to find this so I could do my recaps one because I kind of just want to promote the show um, and I had a hard time finding it. We don't have cable and so I couldn't find it in any kind of reruns and it's not on Netflix and so I ended up purchasing it the purchasing the season on Prime but I think yeah. that's the only legit way to get it right now unfortunately. Yeah the first three episodes are available like on Sci-Fi's website or on um, Hulu or video on demand services but that's it. It's well, just and the first three. As we've said those first three do not put the show in its best light so that's right yeah i don't get it i don't get it but to go back to um this idea of them going yeah let's go the more fun way they have you know waverly get possessed in the final moments of the season (laughs) and you're watching it going oh god we're gonna do another season of like evil sister and then they go no instead we're gonna have her shoot at her sister in the cliff and like immediately reveal instead of doing a long drawn out thing and i think they also do that with the reveal of doc holiday as doc holiday they stretch that for Mm -hmm. maybe one episode and they let different characters figure it out on their own too before like they make sure the audience kind of figures it out pretty quickly and then they have Waverly figure it out and then they have uh you know him he tells he tells Winona and then Doc or sorry uh Dolls figures it out himself too so like they, they just they don't string things along for manufactured drama on the whole. Instead, they, they go with what feels more, um, is going to help the tone. It's going to help the energy mm-hmm. and the pacing of the show. And I really appreciate them prioritizing that. Cause I think that it really is what that, like the energy is what keeps the show afloat. They did a similar thing actually with Nicole and Waverly, because you know, it takes a few episodes for different characters to figure out that they're together or obviously it takes them a little while to figure it out as well. And uh, I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny the way they handled that. And I don't know if you guys have run across it, but there's a there's a confused Winona uh, Twitter where she's just confused about the relationship between uh, uh, Waverly and Nicole, and it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that they send Nicole in just guns. First of all, listeners, her name is Officer Hot. <laughs> Can we just take a moment for that? That's wonderful. But it also resulted in a great ship name of Hot Wave. No, no, no. Way Hot. Way Hot. Way Hot. Oh, is it Way Hot? Well, that's also fine. Yeah. Hashtag Way Hot. <laughs> uh, but they just, they hot send, <laughs> which is also good, I would say. Uh, but but they, they send her in just like guns blazing, basically. Just charm offensive when we first right. meet her God. with Waverly. And it's just so refreshing to see that approach. Now, Waverly is just sort of dipping her toe into a same-sex relationship. It's very clear she's only ever dated guys before, but she's clearly attracted to Nicole. So she's, like, kind of trying to figure some stuff out. But Nicole is like, no, you're hot and great and sweet and wonderful. And she's completely confident in herself. And it's it's so nice to see that in this kind of a show. It's like, yes, you'll have... Uh, lesbian relationships or, or queer relationships, um, especially with side characters in this and in, in a lot of genre shows. But to have just a character just be so self-assured immediately upon seeing them and not have like a lengthy arc of discovery, you know, just be like, no, we're not doing that on this show. It was really nice to see. Yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed that scene. I think that could be kind of a, a, a primer on a queer lady flirting, if you ask me. The way she just kind of walked up and was was super just, you know, matter of fact and did not try to play any games or anything. And I, I think I'll refer people to that scene from now on if they ask me questions about that sort of stuff. 
Now, how did you guys feel about Officer Hot? Do you feel like they took too long to bring her into the loop um, in a Iris West kind of way? Or do you think they paced that pretty well? In terms of bringing her into the whole the whole demon getting... Yeah, like uh, having her uh, realize that, you know, Purgatory is a little different. I think that's another one of those moments like you're talking about where they, um, they, they might have drawn that one out a little bit longer than they could have, but, uh, but it was kind of interesting how that was sort of one of the, the subplots almost of the whole season was her it dawning on her that wait a minute this is not just coyotes attacking people and or or like the gangs on pcp that they mention in buffy all the time <laughs> you know there's something else going on in this town i think the thing is that it does go out a little bit too long but the actual like the payoff of it of winona just explaining all of it is really funny that you just go oh okay that 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 build-up was kind of worth that and her just going well, yeah, I knew, I knew it. And her <laughs> excitement about finding out that she was right, that everything's a little too weird. And then they just gave her a really big gun. And I'm just like, I'm good with the fact that you guys probably took too long, but that was worth it. That The, the buildup was worth that payoff, basically. Well, and to continue the Buffy parallels, it, it feels like when they go, so Oz is a werewolf. Okay, that makes so much sense. <laughs> or when, when, or when, when they're like, okay, so here's the deal with Sunnydale to Oz. And he's like, okay, yeah, that I get it. That makes way more sense. Like the, that quick ad- adjustment to the a supernatural world being all around them. I, it feels appropriate for the show and, and for the tone like... You know, we've been saying, and it it is a really fun fun moment. How do you guys feel about? I mean, we have we've talked about Nicole, but we haven't talked about Winona, and I think this is a show that doesn't work if we don't like Winona. How do you guys feel about the central character? Um, well, we were we were talking a few minutes ago about um, kind of they weren't sure about the tone of that character at the beginning when when they introduced you know she's got a drinking problem and she's obviously got some difficulties with the law in the past and maybe some criminal activity and we're not really sure exactly the nature of it um, and uh, yeah I I think that um, I think that they do ultimately though find a good balance of her as what you all were saying is this kind of really quick witted quip spouting type of gal and then um at the same time also you you, there's enough pathos there that you can kind of feel something for her other than just oh she's cool i i'd agree with that in that they figured out a really good way to just recalibrate the character without feeling like they overhauled the character which is something that i think would have been a concern with the show with where it started and everything but like I said, I just feel like that they figured out the proper balance of things and her acceptance of what had happened and how that was motivating her, but how it wasn't stopping her from living a life now that she was claiming a mantle, uh, however unwillingly at first, but it also ended up giving her a purpose, which is something that she just hadn't had. And I think that that's just really significant in that they figured out a way to build the over the retooling of the character in a way that made sense within the story universe. And that's really difficult to pull off. And it's even more difficult to pull off when you've only got 13 episodes. That's kind of something that you can pace off in eight episodes of a 22 episode series. But you can't to do it that quickly and as well as they do here is a really impressive feat, I think. 
Yeah. The one element of the character the relationship that doesn't quite work for me is Winona and Dolls because they're just really pushing hard on a romantic connection there that I just don't I just don't see any chemistry between those actors aside from, you know, the characters appreciating that the other one is ridiculously good looking. Um, <laughs> but they're they're really pushing towards some like that being a triangle with Winona and Dolls and Doc, and I just see personally just way stronger like banter and connection with with uh, Melanie Scrifano and and Tim Rosen uh, Rosen as uh, Doc Holliday. But aside from that, I mean, I think I think the relationship with Winona and Waverly works really well, really quickly. Um, Waverly is very much like a magical has the answer to everything character who of course <laughs> she knows all the languages and all the history and has all the maps um she, she's the, she's the willow rosenberg <laughs> yeah she's like a lot of those just very conveniently handy side characters <laughs> that pop in these scenes but she's the, and they sacrifice the believability of that so that we don't have to spend a lot of time watching people like dive through records all the time. You know, I'll, I'll give or them that. Or have dolls explain everything, which would get pretty boring. It would and get very border- boring. And borderline condescending at some point too, because I mean, I was, I can kind of deal with the fact that she's super aware of like the lore and everything. The language is nah. <laughs> well, but, yeah, I, I have a little to say about that too, but right. I, I just have to let that go in most shows. <laughs> right. Yeah. But like, Knowing, like, the lore of the city and everything, I mean, she lives there, she's an herb. I mean, that's something that I can understand her being, like, really into and understanding. Um, but at just, it fed into, again, like, the same type of arc that they gave Winona, which is this embrace of, who do you want to be, basically? And I think that, that tied it in, and it also saved the show from having dolls just do it all the time, which, like I started to say before I got off track, is that... It would have just ended up coming off of dolls mansplaining their town to them, mm-hmm. which would have been weird after a while. It's just like, guys, y- you live here, you're Erps. Um, one of you has lived here your entire life. Um, I feel like you should have known all this, and it's nice that it's nice that she does know all this. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is sort of the paradigm of the obsessed small town historian person. Right. I, I come from a small town, and I know that person from my town, <laughs> and uh, and I mean that is kind of a thing. So I, I sort of bought it on that basis. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate that there wasn't kind of the the official guy doing the info dump thing that we need for the show. Um, that they kind of let some of those facts sort of sort of come out in different ways, other than just dolls explaining it. Now, this is the second time this has come up recently on the podcast. Uh, but if a character is supposed to be a languages expert, can they just get <laughs> Latin right? Like, it's not hard. Like, P's are W's, C's are K's. Say all the vowels. It's not hard. Uh, you mean pronunciation-wise or meaning-wise? Yeah. Well, both. Oh, pronunci- yeah, pronunciation-wise, it's not that hard. It's just continental, basically. And then a the couple of letter differences, like what you're talking about. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, sure, Purgatory High School has a really great Latin program. Why not? <laughs> no, no, I have trouble with the fact that they she doesn't pronounce stuff right. And, oh, man. Oh, well, that's just my Latin nerd coming out. But um, but on the whole, it is, it's, you know, like I say, you give it to them because it's, it's fun. How do we feel about Doc? Because I feel like that's a character that could have gone wrong but sort of like you know the i was saying earlier they they embrace sort of they make sure they give him goofy moments and they make sure that like they make sure that winona screws stuff up and acknowledges it and learns and moves on they they have doc screw up as well 
and acknowledge it and move on. They let him fit comfortably into society, but still, like, not know how to drive a car and every now and again be like, oh, technology, I should probably figure out how a phone works. Or pink is a manly color. He's been in a well, everyone. Let's... I think it's easy to forget that he's been in a well. Mm-hmm. I forgot he had been in a well until they reminded us, like at the end of the season when the car was introduced. I just went, oh, right. He was in the well. Mm-hmm. Right. I forgot that. I thought he was just this immortal wandering around looking for Adrian Paul the entire time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually but... think there could have been a little bit more humor based on his fish out of water status. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they don't want it to become too uh, Sleepy Hollow. Which I, I they Fair do a good point. job of sort of like because this is very very similar tonally it has the potential to be very similar tonally to Sleepy Hollow it's just they go more for fun than they do for uh, dread uh, but like again you have the sister dynamic you have the person out of time you know they have really significant stakes but where Sleepy Hollow is much more earnest this is much more pithy um, so hopefully they'll do some more stuff with that with Doc moving forward but I, I like that there's this sense of purgatory as a place and this ties into what you were saying Noel of I love that we see snow on the ground and we see their breaths and it feels cold when it's actually winter um this feel the purgatory feels like a town where there are horses and it doesn't seem that odd and you know this guy's walking around in the same clothes just about you know that he was probably wearing back in the day or a modern version of them and that hat and everybody's pretty much okay with it i think they do a good job of establishing a distinct tone for their town uh, at the point when he wears champs jeans that are like the fancy stitched jeans though like he looks noticeably uncomfortable in them and i really liked that touch <laughs> <laughs> should we talk about champ oh gosh that parody of masculinity i love it it's so great <laughs> I don't know what to say about Champ. I mean, he's he's just kind of this impossibly good-looking, and I like that they made him a rodeo champ actually, because that again is a very small town sort of sort of specific detail that you would get. Um, yeah, I don't know. He he is kind of a parody of toxic masculinity, but at the same time, you don't hate him, right? No, he's he's not he's not a horrible human being. He's he's just kind of uncouth and not. He's very small town, sheltered very limited exposure to anything i mean he's about to cheat on his girlfriend with his girlfriend's sister and he doesn't make that connection (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 it's a it's a fun character that they let like you you understand him and he's an idiot but a lot of the times when he's being a jerk it doesn't come out of a place of malice necessarily just a lot of egocentrism. Like I enjoy when he's been taken hostage, and they're trying to get him to run, and he like he does like he does try to come back for them, or like you know like he's like oh should I go help him? Like no, just run away. And he's like okay, but the fact that he doesn't just flee for the hills immediately, that he is torn about it. Actually, that that little moment does a lot to make us you know at least not completely hate Champ. It's not his, how much is it his fault that he's such an idiot. I mean, he's basically clueless, and and I, yeah, maybe not exactly lovably clueless, but certainly understandably clueless. Yeah, the other uh, characters are really because he's one of those characters that really fleshes out the world. I enjoy the the dynamics, the gender dynamics on the show, where they introduce care. You have characters like Gus, who are just so so um, 
smart and sturdy and you can tell that Gus can take like anything. You would want Gus in your corner if something was going down. And and there there's a lot of female characters they introduce like that. So there's Gus, there's Nicole who's so obviously competent in her job. I love when they introduce the blacksmith and she's a woman and she's knows all this stuff. They really got rid of that character way too fast. I think she had a lot of potential. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping she might pop back up mystically. Well, you know, it's a supernatural show, so you never know. How do you guys feel about a uh, random mystical dude? Like, not Robert Forster. <laughs> um, I felt like that that was an okay type of introduction to a larger mystical universe outside the Ghost River Triangle. But I was just, I understand why it's here, but at the same time, I was just like, I don't need you right now. I'm very concerned with this thing that's happening right now. And I appreciate you planting seeds for season two, but I don't care right now. I just, I want to focus on this. Um, so I'm kind of, I'll wait to see what they do for season two, but I'm just like kind of, I was that stuff. Plus the black badge stuff with Asian Lucado. I was very much just like, uh, I'm not really feeling this this stuff outside of purgatory stuff right now. Uh, maybe next season, but I feel like you're very singular focused because this is a show that really kind of avoids too many subplots. So when these kind of opaque subplots of wider mythology, wider world stuff kind of came in for me, I just went, you don't have any business being in the season right now. Mm. For me anyway. So I struggled with that. Okay. A little bit. I was more a fan of it, but the part that I agree, uh, for me, the stuff with the black badge and the extended universe of that, I really didn't care about. And I also, it's just, it's a thing that bothers me. I do not like shows that just hand wave away torture as if it's always yeah. effective. And it's of course a thing that our good guys do because they're tough enough. They know what needs to be done. Like, I think I really get frustrated as that is a crutch of, and an unexamined crutch within genre tv especially that has been a real go-to in the last few years i've noticed and there there have been whole shows that i've avoided because i've heard that they do that a lot yeah um and yeah I, ugh, that's that's a really good point i hadn't thought about that because it's you know because it, it is such a silly show and i mean a lot of the violence is pretty cartoonish because it's based on a comic book but i mean really yeah that that is one of those things that kind of um takes you a little bit out of the action when it gets too much do you guys have any other we're running out of time here do you have any other characters you wanted to mention or favorite moments or episodes one thing i will say is um i was trying to debate whether or not to like cherry pick episodes to watch and just to kind of go through it really quickly because we had a lot to watch this week kate um <laughs> but at the same time i ended up watching everything but one of the things i was struck by is how really well structured this generally was and so if this is something that you're thinking about watching, um, you can do the first three that are readily available. And then um, seven, six, seven, and eight kind of like do a really nice like three-part type of arc, I feel like. And then you can jump to 11, 12, and 13. And this is a very like kind of cable structure, but it works really well in terms of getting from point A to point B to point C without making you feel lost or behind in a lot of ways. So I really appreciated that aspect of it. And yeah, it's just a very solid, solidly put together show. 
I think that it does a lot of the, um, uh, you know, as first seasons of any genre show, like those especially supernatural shows are going to do, there's there's a lot of the baddie of the week sort of thing uh, that happens throughout the season. But I do think they do a pretty good job of nevertheless tying each one of those into into a larger plot. And that I really appreciated because, I don't know, sometimes in first seasons you just kind of get one-off episodes one after another. Yeah. Well, and they don't uh, they don't draw out the revenge element of you know the, this is a character who uh, a group of people broke into her house when she was a kid and her dad ended up dead and so they don't stretch out her revenge on those people who broke into her house when she was a kid until the finale. They know that there's not enough story there to stretch to the finale, so they have that be sort of halfway point in the season and then they they shift things up um they, they, they change things up enough to keep things interesting without giving us whiplash and while all still you know staying in the same world they seed ideas that you know they'll come back to in season two or you know at the beginning of season one that you know they'll come back to by the end of season one um, and they don't feel the need to answer everything so when they introduce this sort of like cthulhu-esque giant tentacle monster thing <laughs> at the end of season one who knows if that'll come back at any point? But I kind of love that it's in the world now. Yeah, that that one that was one of those a little bit over the top moments for me. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I agree. You know, if they want to bring it back in, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, it certainly was a fun show for me. And like like I said at the beginning, uh, westerns, badass, you know, complicated, interesting women being badass and complicated and interesting and quips. I will like all of these things. So if you like these things and you've listened this far and don't feel too spoiled, uh, listeners, I encourage you to check out season one of Winona Earp next time that sci-fi puts it, puts, does a marathon or something. Hopefully they'll, you know, figure their stuff out and make it available so people can catch up with it. Um, but I know I certainly had a lot of fun catching up with this show. So thank you, Elizabeth, for, for getting me to watch it, getting Noel and I to watch it. Uh, no problem. Thank you very much. And I hope uh, Netflix really takes the cue and uh, makes it available for everybody so that uh, folks can get geared up for the second season. Absolutely. Um, where can our listeners find you when you're writing online? Um, my uh, my blog is uncannyvalley.us, and I write a lot about TV lately, so everybody's in luck if they want to read some more about TV. I've written a lot about The 100 um, I'm in the process of writing a good bit about uh, Winona Earp and also a little bit about Stranger Things. So just things that I like and if folks want to read about it, it's, it has a lot to do with LGBT representation and gender representation, things like that. Anyway, thank you all for having me on. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.